Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Join me, my co-host, Raul. Got a special guest with us. Uh, we got Russ Hainline. You might know him better as at Duke Better. Um, happy to have him on. Had to kind of complete the trio here. So we had Ryan on. Um, I guess that was, he was one of our first guests or so, maybe. It's been a while. And then we had Zion come on and talk a little bit about Duke in the NBA. That was back when we still thought um, McBacco is going to be on the roster, so been a little while since we followed up with him, um, but happy to round it out. Duke fans, we missed a, a game there, so we're recording this um, after the Pitt and Louisville games. Unfortunately, went one and one. I had a home loss to Pitt. You're probably aware of that. Then we followed it up with the road win at Louisville. That one saw Mark and Jeremy return to the lineup, so we'll dissect some of the health. Uh, we'll talk some global stuff, some big picture takeaways here. Um, but first, Russ, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us about Crazy Cast, what y'all guys got going on over there that's blown up. Yeah, you saved the best for last. Uh, <laughs> it's really what happened here. Uh, what's up, everybody? I'm Russell. If you don't know me, uh, I am one of the trio that makes up the Crazy Cast. We do live shows after a lot of Duke games. Uh, Zion, Duke MBA on Twitter, and Ryan at the Duke Nation on Twitter. Uh, the three of us will live stream both on YouTube and on Twitter. We're doing some. Uh, content for Field of 68 uh, this year. They're sort of a partner for our show. Uh, we're also going to be doing some audio-only podcasts. I think we've got some cool guests coming up. I don't want to tease anything, but mm -hmm. we're talking to some cool people. So uh, be sure to follow the Crazy Cast, C-R-A-Z-I-E Cast, on everywhere you can find podcasts. And then obviously the Field of 68 Podcast Network on YouTube. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, we had uh, we had Goodman on a few times, so it's always good to kind of make that connection as well. Well, you're um, you're forgiven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Russ, we'll just jump into it here a little bit, and Raul, we'll, we'll kind of roundtable this thing a little bit. Um, instead of going game by game, I figured well, let's just talk Pittsburgh and Louisville. Um, what a meltdown going on Twitter, X, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you follow, wherever you rant your thoughts at here after that pit game. Um, but as we pan out a little bit, Russ, you concerned about that pit game or is it just a function of missing two starters? 
Uh, why don't somebody else answer while I make sure that nobody keeps calling me? That works too. All right. Well, we'll, we'll go to you then. What do you think? Is that are you more concerned to unlock something that you now you have a new issue with the team? Or does this really just boil down to like, hey, man, we miss Jeremy, we miss Mark. You take two starters from any team, they're going to struggle. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last time we were really healthy, um, well, you have to go back even farther than uh, the first pick game. But that was, uh, you know, we were healthy for that game and we completely dismantled them. And at that point, we were looked like we were really playing some of our best basketball of the year. And then, you know, for the second pick game, um, and even for the Georgia Tech game before that, we uh, you know we were missing Mitchell, and then in the second game we're missing Mitchell and Roach. That's twenty seven points of scoring right there. Um, so it really kind of affects how you play offense. And then defensively, you're missing um, uh, you know a six eight kind of versatile switch defender and Mitchell, and even Roach uh, has improved tremendously on defense, in my opinion. For sure, I would probably put him as our maybe our second best perimeter defender. Um, after Proctor, that's not counting Blake's because he just plays limited minutes. But sure, sure. So that's going to kind of have a trickle down effect, in my opinion, because you're going to get other players who are weaker defenders playing more minutes, like Ryan Young, or even you know Foster's minutes will increase. Uh, Stewart and Power have been getting out there a little bit more, and they can be lost at times. So it's just, I think there's just a trickle down effect on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Russ, what about you? I mean, what is we had like three straight games there where the starting lineup is like, hey, here's our starting lineup. Great. They've played 90 seconds of ball together this year. That's phenomenal. Let's roll that out there. Do you take anything that did it change how you feel about this team or was it the same for you? Like, hey, man, we're just down two guys. I mean, it's just health. Uh, it's uh, yes, is the answer. It's both. <laughs> Right. Uh, because Mitchell obviously has a role on this roster that we don't have. I mean, yeah. or at least we had not been using at all before the Louisville game. Right. Uh, we need a guy of that size. You saw Hinson was on McCain or McCain was on Hinson and Hinson was just shooting over the top of him. McCain yeah. was doing an all right job staying in front of him. But like and people are like, oh, those are contested shots. Yeah. But when you're four inches shorter and your wingspan mm -hmm. is like five, six inches shorter, that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> so uh, Mitchell is huge in that uh, respect. And then obviously Jeremy Roach, I, I would honestly say he's been the best defender. And I think the numbers back that up too. Proctor's been certainly a little limited uh, by the injury yeah. to some extent. Yeah. Uh, I think that's affected it. Um, but Roach has really impressed me on that end. He's just so savvy. He knows where to be. Uh, we've seen McCain and Foster get lost uh, off the ball sometimes on defense. Yeah. Roach just... There is a lot to be said for a guy who just doesn't get lost. Like that's yeah. that's a huge, huge yeah. thing. So while that is true, and there's no way that you can get past that, that still doesn't excuse a few things, right? It does not excuse the energy uh, that we yeah. played with uh, or a lack thereof. Um, it just didn't seem like people wanted to be there. And it's a home game at Cameron against a bad team. Like, you should be showing a bit more verve than you're showing. Mm -hmm. uh, and also when Mark Mitchell is not in the game, this is where not playing a bench really bit us. I mean, if John had been playing Sean Stewart more minutes or had been maybe a little more comfortable with TJ Power, uh, then you've at least got some height out there. Uh, not like Power's a great defender or anything, and Stewart you know, has his issues off ball from time to time as well. They're both freshmen. That happens. But this is why you have to develop that bench earlier. We were like 220th 
in the country in bench minutes, that's not enough, uh, especially when you're losing uh, a player or two. If we had more bench minutes, we don't feel that absence nearly as greatly. Yeah. So I, and, and also there's finally the fact that we are loaded with five stars, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's no, there is no, I realize we're young. There's no excuse to lose to a team that is not good. Pitt is not a good team and they beat us fair and square. Like they outplayed us. They out efforted us. And we heard flip say after the game, you know, all oh, this is their championship or whatever. I kind of hate that comment because it implies that the game was more important to Pitt than it was mm. to us. Yeah. And it should be more important to us always to win games on our home court, especially when the sands of the possibility of an ACC title are rapidly slipping through our fingers. Yeah. You know, so the the effort level and the energy level is the thing that regardless of who's out there, it has to be more consistent on a four minute by four minute by game by game basis. Yeah, especially with the group, returning a group that like really valued home court last year um, and really took care of business at home last year. Now I get you insert four new players, um, four new freshmen into that, but it just seems across the year, you know, we've, this is, we've had two losses at Cameron already, the Arizona, you know, we should have won that game, but I, I think you can understand that one being so early in the year. Pitt's a little bit harder to swallow with it just being at Cameron. I mean, Georgia Tech was should have been a revenge game and like flirting with disaster there too. Um, so there, there's there's a little bit of weirdness maybe happening right now with the home splits. Um, you mentioned him. I want to talk about him. I know you know maybe most people's frustration by this point has settled. I'm still a little annoyed with it, but how frustrating was Blake Henson in that game, dude? Look, I, was I annoyed that he got up on the table? Yeah, but you know what a great way to prevent him from getting up on the table is? Win the game. Yeah. Win, <laughs> he's not standing up on the table. There's yeah. no way, right? Yeah. So ultimately, you just have to tip your cap. I don't think he's a great player, but he was the best player on the floor that day. And, yeah. you know, that's the beauty of college basketball and sometimes the agony of college basketball. And when you take a team for granted like we clearly did then you open the door for somebody else to be the hero yeah yeah to me it was less about the scores table and like where i got pissed is he got teed up but it's he's sitting there yapping right he's like waving at the crowd he's firing them up and that's the moment where i'm like you cannot let this guy win the game after that and i think after that he hits like four straight threes or three straight threes and it's like dude and, and okay some of them were tough some of them were contested but the dude's a spot up. He's a catch and shooter. He's a catch and shoot guy. That's all he does. That's all he wants to do. He's not creating. He's not doing a whole lot off the bounce. And we just we couldn't we couldn't stop it. Um, and we'll talk about that trend here in a little bit, maybe of just the amount of threes that teams are getting up on us. Um, maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's not. We've talked a lot on this podcast about just the falseness that is three point defense a lot of times, and just how it's really hard to kind of even have three point defense. I mean, you can contest shots, but you know, sometimes guys just make it. If you watch Carolina, sometimes guys just miss wide open ones over and over. And there's schematic stuff there. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about Carolina in a little bit. Any Caleb Love flashbacks in that game? Jalen Lowe hit that shot over like flip and it was just like dun 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 2022 right away. Man, it was he threw up the Trey Young silencer to tough to let a freshman come in and hit that shot. Any Anything that, that stood out to you about that, Russ? Or you just chalk it up as like, hey, man, you let him go on a 9 0 run. The rim's big for him. What are you, you going to do? Yeah, yeah, we we let them start 9-0, uh, 21-10 at about yeah. the 11-minute mark. I mean, 
you get what you get what you buy like you know when when you buy something bad and then it's bad you can't go well that's not fair it's like yeah but you bought it you know like <laughs> you, you made the bed you sleep in it so when we start halves lousy uh then you invite the other team to get confident we've seen it at Notre Dame, we saw it with Georgia Tech twice. We saw it with Louisville. We've seen it with bad teams repeatedly now. So, like, I don't know if it's just that Duke loves sleeping on these bad teams, but I got news for you. The whole conference is not good. So if we're going to take bad teams for granted, we're going to lose a couple more games to bad teams. The seeding yeah. is going to be shot, which means the tournament hopes are going to be shot. Like, you have to play every game like it's your championship at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, maybe there is something there like down the road that's a, a learning experience for even John too, right? I get, we all know that Kay was the master motivator. Um, above X's and O's, above everything else. It was that ability to just really motivate guys to lock in. Now, of course, you know, look at 2015. We got the door beat off of us by Miami and State, one of those at Cameron. It can happen. Um, yeah, but, but I think you could were, argue the talent level of those teams, teams were a lot. Yeah, the talent level there was much different than a what ten and seven pit team or whatever they were coming the in. Talent so. level of the ACC in general. I mean, like NC State was thirty second in Ken Palm that year. Miami forty first in Ken yeah. Palm. You know, you're talking about this year. Like those teams would have finished third in the ACC probably this year. You know, like, and we chalked those up as being bad. That's why it kind of drives me crazy when I see people going like, ah, but we lose some games in January, you know, like, yeah, you know what games we're supposed to lose in January? Like the game to, at Virginia Tech, 60th right. in Ken Palm. Oh, that's a bad loss. But like at this point, Virginia Tech, losing at Virginia Tech would be one of the better games on the schedule yeah. because the conference is so bad. So yeah. we just can't chalk up every single time we phone it in against Notre Dame or Georgia Tech or Pitt or Louisville. You can't go, well, it's just the usual January thing because the conference is so bad. Like, yeah, there's that margin for error does not exist anymore at all. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's more than fair. Um, and I think, you know, against Pitt, a lot of it was like, well, we're not healthy. It doesn't say a whole lot about the team. But I'm sitting here kind of thinking, well, it does impact seeding a lot, yep. right? And historically, I know I know seeding is becoming less and less important, um, but maybe not for Duke, right? If you go back for Duke's history, like when's the last time they've done anything not being a two-seed or higher, right? You have to go back to like 91, I think, as a three-seed. I think 2020, we could have gotten something going. Yeah, we would have been like a three-seed that year probably. I I also think that people saying that, you know, seeding doesn't matter as much. Like, it's a very small sample size in this NIL world. I know we had like two five seeds, a four seed and an eight seed make it to the final four. But like, look who they were, right? Like UConn and UNC, two storied programs, right? You've got Miami, which had the two best shot creators of like maybe the last five to ten years. Like, yeah. You know, the incredible creators for themselves, they made hard shots over and over and over again all season long, yeah. right? Like that's that's just something that you can't bank on, you know, like and then and then San Diego State is just like one of those gritty physical teams. We've seen teams, you know, have high seeds or, or, or get better seeds. If, they, if San Diego State had been in the Big 12 la uh, last year, then they're probably like a two or a three seed. Right. But then they mm. drop or two in conference. They're in the worst conference. Say la vie. I still think more than anything else, you have to show the signifiers that 
you are capable of going on a deep run. And if you look at UConn last year, what they're a four seed last year, they were 14 and 0 and they were beating everyone by double figures. Yeah. And then they, they hit a skid in conference play, admittedly. But then immediately once that skid was done, back to beating teams by double figures and beating good teams before and after too. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're struggling with Notre Dame. We're struggling with Georgia Tech. We're struggling with Pittsburgh, right? Like those just, regardless of where we end up seed-wise, even if we get back to a two seed, unless we're beating the brakes off of these bad teams by double figures repeatedly, which is what consistent teams should be doing, then it's hard to get super excited about upside. Like the, like the consistency is what is missing. The talent is not. The ability yeah. to win a game on an island against anybody in the country is 100% there for Duke. But also they can lose to a team like yeah. because the consistency isn't there. Well, I think the, I think the hope is that um, everybody gets healthy and something just kind of clicks into place. We saw this happen last season already. I mean, admittedly, we ended up losing in the second round. But during that 10-game stretch at the end of the season, Duke was playing as well as anyone in the country. So we've already kind of seen that it can at least theoretically happen with a John Shire team. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of the same problems last year with uh, players being injured and just people taking a while to acclimate and all that. So I guess if you want to take the optimistic side, it would be like, well, we've seen that maybe Shire's teams tend to develop a little bit more slowly than K's teams. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I would. I my counter to that would be the last you know, games of the regular season, our home closer at Cameron, we played against an NC state team that was not very good. They were 11 seed in the tournament and we barely beat them. You know, at home we go to, you know, UNC who didn't make the tournament. I know it's a rivalry game. You throw it out. Right. Uh, but we like, you know, kind of win there at about the same margin that we won at home. You know, like I just, part of what you're saying, I think we can chalk up to who did we beat in that stretch after we lost the Miami and Virginia game? We lost to a, we beat a terrible Notre Dame game, Notre Dame team by a couple of points. We win at Syracuse. Great. We win versus Louisville an awful Louisville team. Great. Virginia tech at home was a very impressive win. And then obviously the ACC tournament, we performed very impressively, but like there were also just a lot of games there against really bad teams. So like when we're talking about going to the NCAA tournament and what do we expect, we're probably going to play top 75 teams six games in a row. And, you know, in the ACC this year, I don't have it up in front of me, but I bet we've got like five top 75 teams, six, you know, like and most of them are like 60 and later. Yeah. You know, um, there's just it's it's a dire situation unless the consistency gets there. And uh, because we have so much talent on the roster, I'm reluctant to make too many excuses when like guys are just sitting on the bench and not playing who are five star talents. Like, you know, you got to do like the Roy Williams thing to some extent and play these guys through mistakes, even if like I'd rather have the thing that like old UNC teams had where fans were always pissed. Because they were, he would be playing some bench guy like 12 minutes, right? And everyone would be like, dude, play the starters. What are you doing? Play the starters. But then those guys became good over time and they stuck around and they didn't yeah. transfer out and they became really good players. So if if we want that sort of con like development over time, he's got to play dudes like yeah. at the end of the day. I think yeah. it had to happen earlier, though, because now you have no margin for error. Right. And That's guys the key. like Stewart right, yeah. and Power, just when you put them out there, 
for the most part, they're clearly not ready and we bleed points when they're out on the court. I, I disagree with Stewart. I agree with power. I think Stewart, he, has even had... the last game he came, uh, he came in, there was an immediate seven Oh run in the first half. The second Stewart came in. What in the Pittsburgh uh, pe- people? Uh, no, uh, in the Louisville game, the people first were, half of Louisville. people were and saying like, Oh, he played Pitt. well, but I thought he played great in the second half though. Yeah. That's I true. thought he that's was true. phenomenal late yeah. in the game. And the, and the only and the only reason why he was still playing is because like Shire let him make mistakes and keep playing. Right. Like you, you've got to let these guys play through it a little bit, even right now. Like, <laughs> I think we have to. There's we don't have a, an alternate path because Jeremy's beat up. Mark Mitchell has the propensity to miss a game or two here and there. Flip gets in foul trouble in the first half. You know, we've. We can't just make the solution. Let's roll Ryan Young and Jalen Blakes out there because they are very matchup dependent. You've got to use some of that versatility. And yeah, we're we're reaping what the staff sowed by not playing these guys earlier in out of conference play. But like now we don't have a choice. We we need them. We need them in this next game. We will need Sean Stewart to play significant minutes, probably. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think too it's it gives a lot of credence to the the contingency of like really wanting to add that portal big last year. Right. And I think there were fans on both sides of that who were like, Nope, I like flip at the five. Like, and now it's starting to creep of like, well, if you're not going to get the portal big, then you really need to have had developed Sean Stewart or you needed Reeves to be a playable guy or you needed something. Um, Ryan Young is interesting. Like, I don't know the numbers side by side to back it up, but it just appears that, there's been a little bit of a drop off from last year, Ryan, to this year, Ryan, in terms of efficiency. What do you have last year? There was like a three game stretch where he was like 15 of 15 from the floor, right? He seemed to be like an offensive rebounding machine. He shot 70% overall, I believe. Yeah. And that just doesn't seem to really have stayed. Um, and gosh, there were just so many frustrations in the switching defense against Pitt when Ryan got switched onto a guy. And we tried, we tried to keep that same schematic that worked up there. There's a big difference when you're playing switch with Mark Mitchell versus playing switch with Ryan Young, right? Like that is yeah, just or, not compatible. Or Sean Stewart, frankly. Sean Stewart acquits himself on ball quite well. It's off ball where he gets lost yeah. time. But yeah. when he is on ball on switches, he does pretty well outside. Ryan Young, letting Ryan Young defend the perimeter is like number one reason why we lost that pit game. We, we lost like 10 to 12 points solely on those possessions when there is no reason schematically for him to be guarding guys out there none whatsoever like i i look he's great last year his numbers were definitely better because he got off to such a great start when lively wasn't playing as well uh he was he's a really good big 10 big like if we're playing a team that wants that has sort of a plotting big man in the middle like ryan young is your huckleberry dude like he is perfect for that and he's really good in those matchups but we're going to play enough teams that he's not going to be able to take the floor against like period Pitt is one of those. And we played him 26 minutes. Yeah. I, I, I don't care about the experience level of Sean Stewart or what people say he looked like in practice. That's coaching malpractice to let Ryan young defend the perimeter. It is. Yeah. You know, I hope, and it's clearly a learning experience. I, again, he's a young coach. He's figuring some things out. He figured them out for Louisville. He played Sean Stewart and said, I love that, right? That's a great sign. But, you know, we need those guys. I, I don't know what the portal big would have. Like, if Uday had come, he's only playing like 15 minutes a game at TCU. I mean, he's yeah. not 
he's not a massive impact player in terms of, you know, over the course of an entire game, it would just be 15 more minutes. So in that respect, it would be good. I think flip is fine at the five. I think the reason why the offense is so good is because flip is at the five. Yeah. Yes. You know, if, if we, if we play Mark Mitchell at the three and flip at the four and a big man at the five, our spacing uh, immediately crumbles. <laughs> we saw, we saw it at the beginning of last year, right? Uh, yeah, totally. Well, what was that game uh, where we won like 53 to 52 versus like Oregon state Oregon or something? State, maybe? Yeah. I was, was in person at that game. Yeah. I was there. Game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was 10 rows from the floor and uh, I, I had said hello to Jeff Goodman actually before <laughs> that. I was like, Oh God, if I, if we lose this game, I'm never going to hear the end <laughs> the of <it."> Beavers. <laughs> God. Um, yeah. So the offense is great because flip is at the five. And I think he is, acquitting himself fine when he is able to stay on the floor defensively at the five, especially when we want to switch everything. I think that that's great. But when we're switching everything, you can't have Ryan Young out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can. Totally so, agree. yeah, I don't know. There's they're still figuring some things out, I guess. But uh, I don't know what I what I really wanted to see in the portal was us pursue an athletic wing. I, I tweeted in May. I thought we were fine when we were pursuing Shedrick, we were pursuing Uday, and we were pursuing these guys. Yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, we got Flip, we've got Young, we've got Reeves, we've got Stewart. We've got a lot of guys who will play the five. We've got, obviously, a bevy of guards. Who do we have that's 6'7", 6'8"? Who can, who can guard guys who are 6'7", 6'8"? Yeah. Mark Mitchell. And that's it, one at, one. <laughs> and, and that's basically it, unless you also play Sean Stewart up there. Those are the only guys that can do it. Proctor is a really good defender, but he's six five and like a buck eighty, right? Like mm-hmm. Blake Hinson could just shoot over the top of Tyrese yep. Proctor, as he did, you know, yep. like Blake he, kind of bullied him a little bit to the rim and, too. I mean, there's as as one should. That's the best thing to do. Post up on him, right? Yep. So I think that's where the portal miss really hurt. It's less about the pure big and more that we weren't targeting a wing and that we were going to rock with the Mitchell flip three, four thing again. And I don't think Mitchell or flip are going to play three or four at the, at the NBA. Like flip has to be a stretch five. Mark Mitchell obviously has to be a a four or something uh, at the next level. He's got to make threes, but um, yeah, I think we're doing the right thing in terms of Mitchell and flip this year, playing them at the four and the five. I like that. I think it worked plays um but it does mean that when opponents have that six seven six eight guy we need like 40 minutes of mark mitchell <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely was out of curiosity was that uh when you were saying that we should target a wing was that after mbaco had uh decommitted or was he still on the roster he, at that point i i, I think either way I yeah, think not that his defense way, has been good, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think either way it would have helped um, because you just you never know what you're getting with a freshman anyway. Yeah, um, that's a good point. One of, one of my concerns going into next season, obviously, uh, even though we're going to have a monster roster next season, is it's going to be once again an incredibly young roster. So yeah. you know who where who's going to give us the experience minutes at the we end? We also of the still have the uh, wing vacancy a, a little bit. Um, you know, Isaiah Evans is sort of a wing, but he's very skinny and he's what six six. Um, you know, it just depends on what Mitchell does, obviously, but there could be a hole there because we got a lot of guards and then some big men. That's what it seems like. Yeah, I mean, I think that there I think that if you've got Cooper Flag, that does help yeah, a lot. That's true. 
Um, and plus enough of the guards next year. Like if Khan goes out there, he's like six, six, right? Like yeah. he's, he's sturdy. He's stocky you know, too, right? He's got that Darren Midwestern. Like yeah. In that six, five, six, six range. You know, if Foster presumably comes back, he's six, five, he'll have, have had more experience under his belt. He should be, you know, a bit better on the defensive end. Um, even McCain, like if McCain's the shortest guy on the roster next year at six, three, I mean, like that would be a really nice situation for a switchable defense. Um, but yeah, I I think we just needed to address it regardless of whether Mbako came. And Mbako was bad early in the season too yep. for like for, for Indiana. Sure. Yeah. You know, he's he's got his own issues. So I and again if he had come then is he's the 3 and Mitchell's the I mean yeah. sure that that still maybe works, but then we might lose one of these guards potentially. I I don't know. Like I'm happy with where we are if we just had like a 15 minute a game guy who could come in at six, seven, six, eight, which goes back to my point about Sean Stewart. I would really like Sean Stewart to be that guy. We just have to keep playing him, especially if Mitchell's uh, knees are going to be made of glass to your point, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah you, you just never know. Or if Mitchell gets, you know, two quick fouls or or frankly, a flip gets quick fouls. I mean, I, I said on Crazy Cast early in the season, like my crystal ball tells me that the way we lose in the tournament is flip gets two fouls in the first five minutes. Yep. And then that's it. That's <laughs> and, it. Then, yep. and then we're in deep, deep trouble because when he's not on the floor, <laughs> we have not been very good. Um, yeah. Obviously, we saw last year if Mitchell is off the floor. He is our, by net rating on off, he is by far our most impactful player this season. Yeah. Now, certainly part of that is probably the pit loss, yeah. but yeah, true. So, uh, he's our most impactful defender uh, on offense. He's our second most impactful offensive player. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, this is why bench is good. Bench is good. Use bench. Use bench, Jonathan. <laughs> Use bench. Yeah, I think a lot of us thought that would happen too, right? Coming from K. Well, I mean, maybe not. He's a K disciple, but I thought, I think Only a lot of us thought that it was going to, yeah, it was going <laughs> to blossom. And it just, I think really he did an okay. I think he did an okay job of it last year. I mean, the rotation definitely shortened up as the season went on, but early in the year, he kind of gave us some hope that he would play more guys. But this year, that has not been the story. We yeah. were about national average, 31.4% of our yeah. minutes were bench minutes last year. This year, we're at 30%. And I think the the bulk of it is just our six-man yeah. is always playing like 25 minutes. I don't think we're playing like a very deep right. rotation right. in any way, shape, or form. And I tell you what, if they want to keep players for next year he should probably consider playing more of them. <laughs> Especially if you're not going to go portal, right? Because he said that he, we still yeah. firmly believe in recruiting like at a high school, developing, bringing them up, which if that's going to be the route you're going to go, how are you going to keep them? And I know, I know no yeah. transfers and last year. Like that was phenomenal, but that's not going to track. That's not going to continue to, I mean, we had Watson on last week and he's already predicting like two or three that are probably gone, right? And it's like, I, well, I think three is the minimum. Probably. Frankly. If you were asking me, you know, look, if if I, I keep telling myself if I sit down at the piano for an hour a day that I can play a concerto this time next year. But, you know, like I have to face reality, <laughs> you know, like if John wants to develop guys and have them year in and year out and stay year in, year out, I would love nothing more. And that would be absolutely great. But reality is, if you are not playing these guys, they will go. If you do not play TJ Power, 
he can play 25 minutes a game next year somewhere and be like one of the top two or three most impactful players on that roster. Same for Sean Stewart. Same for a lot of guys, you know, like, and I think regardless of next season, I think it's true going forward anyway. I, I certainly think that after next season is a really interesting one. If we don't get the Boozers or DeBansa, we're we're going to be really reliant mm. on returning minutes. Yep. But then that means you really have to play those guys and want them to return and show them, hey, this is the path. That'd be my pitch to any guy who's maybe frustrated this year, guys who haven't played at all or guys who have played maybe some you say, dudes, check it out. Next year, you're right. It's it's going to be a loaded roster once again. But the year after that, like you hold the keys. You know, yeah. you've got to come and you've got to work against some of the best NBA prospects there are all season long. Be a 15 minute per game type of dude, and then you are starting as a junior. You know, yeah. or, or yeah. whatever. You know, that's a pretty uh, tough pitch to a guy who's you know ranked in the top gonna 50, be tough. though. It's a yeah. very, very, I'm stunned we didn't have a transfer yeah. in the offseason. And I'm sure at least one guy probably sort of wishes he did, <laughs> you know? So I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's really optimistic to think that we can have continuity and not uh, be portal reliant. But if you're going to explore that, you have got to play the bench. I can't emphasize enough. You've got to keep them happy. Like, yeah. and, and you've got to develop them. They've got to, if they're not playing games, meaningful in rep in game reps, they're not going to get better. They're going to look somewhere else and say, well, even if uh, Texas A&M, Henry Coleman did the right thing, obviously K wasn't playing him for some reason. And he went to Texas A&M and he was immediately playing, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game. Now he's one of the better, you know, foremen in the sec because he played, yeah. you know, he, he got meaningful reps. Yeah. So and I, I think know. it's easier to swallow 14 and four if that's happened, right? Like it's much easier to be like, oh, okay, we're totally. preseason number two and we're 14 and four, but we've, we totally. see guys that have come through. We see guys developing and now we're 14 and four and it's like, oh, can we develop someone in February? Maybe, maybe, but <laughs> right. it's, it's not right. super realistic, right? It's unless that person is like a Derek Lively, who is clearly is what he was. He's finally healthy. Now we're going to insert him in. Welcome to college, big fella. That's we don't have that on the roster. This has to be developed up. Maybe they'll come back, but I think that's a tough pitch too. Because you know, if you haven't watched Cooper fly, do yourself a favor and go do that. That kid's starting and playing as many minutes as he can possible. If they get common that comes in, common came in, I always pronounce it wrong. If he comes, um, which yeah. there's that's starting to track pretty heavily too, you're looking at your starting four and five right there. Um Barring right, something which, crazy, which or means if Mitchell returns, he's going to play the three because he'd have to, and then it's at that some, point, yeah. you're you have two positions left essentially. Yeah, which yeah, bring, that, I mean, in a Mitchell flag, true big man spacing situation mm. is an absolute nightmare on offense. I, I, I think <laughs> I think your hope there is that you're top three on defense and you just live with it. If we can score fifty five, we win, right? <laughs> like if that sure, that's that's. I mean, that's reasonable. Uh, that Mitchell's going to have a very interesting decision to make in the offseason, yeah. I think. Very, <laughs> very interesting. And I think one guy I do want to talk about that kind of fits that mold as well, we've already hit on him a little bit, is Tyrese. Um, this is a guy that, and I want to phrase this by saying he's played fine, right? He's He's played okay. There's nothing. But for me, and maybe this was a fault of me, I looked at this guy coming back, being a sophomore. He's finally in his natural class. He's got a year of experience, was awesome towards the end of the year. 
I was hoping, thinking, wait, this guy's going to be pseudo All-American. Like, he's going to be one of the top five point guards, lead guards in the nation. That just hasn't really happened. Um, granted, I'm talking about this after he comes off his career high, but I think it's one, and Russ, I'll go to you here. One is, is he better off the bench for this group? Is that is that just what we're going to roll with now? Or, I mean, can he come back? Do you see a path to that? We just talked about a huge recruiting class. What's Foster and McCain going to do? Things get crowded here. Where, where, does, where are you swirling around with Tyrese? Look, I think that if... I would love him back. I'd welcome him with open arms. I think if he 100%. comes back, he is the sort of player that is versatile enough that you live with whatever that means for the rest of the roster and you figure it out later. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't expect him back. I think he'll be fine. You know, he has not been an All-American, but his numbers, we were talking about this last night on the Crazy Cast, his numbers are better across the board in basically every facet you know his two-point percentage was four 44 last year it's almost 58 percent this year that's a huge increase yeah uh three-point percentage is 32 percent to 35 percent his assist rate 21 percent to 24 percent his turnover rate was almost 18 percent last year now it's only 13 percent his effective field goal percentage is true shooting percentage i mean his rebounding is more or less the same he's getting to the free throw line uh at a much higher rate this year so by every objective measure, he is better <laughs> just across the board. I mean, the defense maybe isn't better, but also he doesn't have Derek Lively behind him. So that makes things a lot. And he was and he was hurt, right? I think he was defending decently early in the year. It, it has not looked as good since he got back, but it, he also has admitted that he's playing through some pain or he certainly mm -hmm. was in those first games when he got back. So I, I don't hold that against him. He's I, also having to guard up a position more often which Correct. is a big deal he's yeah. i think he's at his best on ball and he's not getting to do that as much he's having to guard wings which is a little harder for him yeah and he shouldn't have to this is sort of the peril i did a podcast uh during the summer that i was concerned about the three guard lineups and what they meant defensively and i think that's really sort of uh, bearing fruit at this point um i think he will be fine to go pro i also sort of suspect that his game will continue to be okay the more he's not playing in pain. Certainly if Roach misses any time at all, even though that would not be good, uh, it would be good for Proctor would not have to worry about what his role is and exactly what's expected of him. Like it will be very clear what is expected of him. Here are the keys, go, right? Like that, that would be very, very clear. Uh, so I don't expect him back. I would absolutely love it. I also don't know that I would keep him coming off the bench I like I kind of get why when everyone is healthy that it might work because clearly when Proctor and Roach are on the floor at the same time Proctor is looking to create first and foremost he knows Roach is out there he knows McCain is out there he knows Flip's out there he knows Mitchell has been really good in the pick and roll and so he feels probably correctly that his job is to set the table uh and I and I value that I think that's great but when we are lacking for guys who are playing with consistent, I, I can go out there and get 25 tonight if the team needs me to. We have a lot of guys who are very, very good. And I don't know that we have a huge amount of dudes who just have experience doing that, a little more experience doing that. I think yeah. Proctor probably holds the key to like the highest upside that Duke 
can have. I said in the offseason, I kind of still feel that way. You know, if if he feels like this is my team, I am going to throw this team on my back, and then he does that, I mean, I think that would be good, and I think it would go well. I, I do. So yeah. um, I don't know that I'd keep him coming off the bench. Uh, if Again, if Roach misses time, it's a it's a moot point anyway. Yeah. But um, I, I think that he is the key, along with Flip, obviously. He's the key to – and even more than Flip because – guards it's a guard game it's yeah. a game that is around guards yeah you know so i think proctor holds the key to to duke hitting their highest potential i think i saw something against louisville that gave me the most hope that i've had probably for him so far since coming back from injury is that ability to get to the rim now granted louisville is beyond bad right like i understand that but just the willingness for him to attack and really go for the rim and put rim pressure on that's something that we really haven't seen from him in a while. And I think that's when he's at his best because he's taking a lot of threes. I don't mind him taking a lot of threes. I don't know if I want him to lead the team when he's playing and shooting threes. Like him taking 10, I'm cool with McCain taking 10. I'm, I'm okay with him taking 10, but I'd rather it really complement what he's able to do in the pick and roll, being able to get downhill. Um, the free throw percentage is not it's it's okay um i think he was closer to like 90 last year at one point so you know yeah, he finished he finished at 87 he, so, i think he's yeah. taking he's taking a higher volume this year for sure um and again like a lot of that is skewed by he was two for five in that first game back from injury i know it was two for five against louisville too but when you haven't taken a ton of them you know, if he goes five for five instead of two for five in one of those games, then he's probably at closer to 80%. Right? For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. That sample's got to be really small. Yeah. He's only he's taken 36 this right. year. 36. I mean, so you know, um, only 16 in conference at this point, but also he's taken 14 of those 16 in conference in the last three games. You know, I, I would like to think that that's a sign of continued aggression. The more aggressive he is, I think the better Duke can get. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, well, we've ran a little bit long here, so I'm going to jump in and we'll do a quick little ad break and then we'll come back and kind of zoom out again right fast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
All right. Well, let's come back here. Um, we talked about Proctor. We've talked about Mitchell, how important those guys are, how important Jeremy is, obviously. I mean, there were guys thinking that um, maybe how did he fit on this roster, me being one of those? And like, was that the best decision? And thank God he did come back. Um, we need you, big fella. Get healthy. Ice them knees and ankles. But let's let's zoom out. Um, so, Russ, we're sitting at 14 and four. Where is this team at relative to your expectations in, let's say, October? I mean, is this still a Final Four type team to you? Did you ever buy into this being a Final Four type team? Where, where do they kind of fall? I mean, I think if if Mark Mitchell doesn't get hurt last year, there's a real world in which we could have made an Elite Eight or such last year, right? Sure. So. I definitely went into this season with final four expectations. I think that's very reasonable. Uh, you know, we were a five seed last year, right? Uh, we returned four of our five starters and we have like eight or nine five stars, you know, on the roster. I think you've got to be a final four contender with that pedigree. Yeah. And if you're not, then that raises some questions, right? I don't know. I, I think that Final Four is still on the table depending on seed. I, I think we've got to show some consistency. I think we've got to get a like a top three seed. If you're a four or five seed, I don't care what happened last year. Four or five seed, it is hard to make the Final Four. You're an upset hell break. first weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless things break really, really right, you know. Um, and certainly if we were a four seed odds of us in the second round playing some big physical SEC team again, very high, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would like a, a top three seed. And if we get a top three seed, I think we're at least a sweet 16 type team. Um, you know, but again, it comes down to consistency. Could this team make the final four? Absolutely. I think when this team is healthy and when everything is clicking, I think we've got it going on. Could we lose in the first round? Absolutely. I, I think anybody who thinks that that's not possible has not been watching. You know, I wrote down in the span of the last five games, per Bart Torvik, Duke is 25th in offense, 89th in defense. And, you know, we, we're not really going to get to talk about the three-point percentage defense that much uh, just because we've run long, but it's been 293rd in the country in that span. Teams shooting nearly 39% from three. And it's not like these are great shooting teams either. You know, corner threes are always open. Um, you know, obviously the injuries play a role as we talked about, but, you know, we've also shot only 47.9% from two in those, in those games. Um, and again, when Mark's, when, when Jeremy's not in, that certainly affects the spacing. I, I get that, but man, like, it just shows that when we're taking teams for granted or when we're going up against a stretch against bad teams, we might play to the level of our opponent this year, yeah. which is not good in the first round of an NCAA tournament, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know what my expectations are other than I don't think winning the ACC title is possible unless we sweep UNC, um, which seems not terribly likely, unfortunately. Um we just got to show that we're better than we were last year going into the tournament, like which means yeah. a better seed, which means more impressive performance in the second round, which means better consistency against bad teams going down the stretch. Um, it's tough, that right? Happen? Yeah. I mean, because you're saying, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that like we need to get the top three seed. And I see people on Twitter like, hey, like after the pit game, you know, is the one seed still possible? Is the two seed still possible? It's like, bro, we're sitting on the five <laughs> line right now, right? We're reporting five, six line right now. 
to get that three seed. Like, is that even realistic in such a bad conference? I mean, we're talking about we're what four and what are we four and two, five and two. So we would have to finish nothing less than 16 and four probably no. right to feel even like remotely confident or optimistic about it. And I think you'd seed. have to beat uh, some of those best teams. You'd have to beat UNC at least one. You'd at least you'd have, have to, to split with them. Yeah. yeah, you have to beat Virginia Tech. You'd have to beat Clemson. Um, not that these are amazing teams, but at least they're kind of higher and in the net. And you can't, or, or maybe yeah. more importantly, it's like you can't lose like some of the bad ones, right? Like obviously yeah. Louisville at home, you can't lose that, but you you really don't want to lose in Raleigh. You really want to be able to beat Virginia at home. Um, you'd like to be able to beat Virginia Tech on the like. There's so many just traps. We've, we've lost five of six at, at Blacksburg. The last six yeah. times we've played yeah. at Blacksburg, we've lost five. Right. Yep. That is going to be a brutal game. That state game right before Carolina. Again, brutal. that's yep. another brutal, brutal game. I mean, Torvik has us projected as a five, but he also has us projected with seven losses in ACC play. You know, um, I think if we even if we lose three more games, I think we could at least be like a strong four. And depending how the rest of the year goes, I maybe sneak to that three. But I agree that if you want to feel good about getting to a three, you probably can't lose more than twice more. And that's, that's a big ask, man. That's, that's yeah. why losing games like this, even when you're hurt, there's no excuse. And also Georgia tech, we, we were missing Proctor, but we beat Baylor without Proctor. That wasn't, it, that had nothing to do with the lack of Proctor and it had everything to do with, we got punched in the mouth and we didn't have the energy to punch back. Like, you know, so I don't know. I, I'm optimistic we can get to a three because of the slate. And again, maybe because we have hard games coming up, maybe the team wakes up, right? Maybe the team wakes up for those games. That yeah. That's certainly the optimist view. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, and I think they're to go, and I don't want to dig this back up because we are getting late here, but to go back to one of our earlier points, um, there's something to be said maybe about separation these last two years, right? We play a lot of close games. We play a lot of single-digit type games. And we, we blow some teams out, sure. Um, but for the most part, we seem to flirt somewhere between like the 7 to 12 range, right? And most of our victories, um, you know, may, maybe there's something coaching-wise there. Maybe that's just player personnel or whatever, but... Um, something to monitor. But before we do get out of here, I want to, Pam, we've, we've mentioned it briefly. These next three games are absolutely huge. Um, you got a top 35 Clemson team coming in who is, you know, they're they're Clemsoning a bit, right? They start off the season. They're great. Um, then they hit conference play, and I think they've lost, what, four out of six. Uh, they, they did get a really yeah. nice win down in Tallahassee, so they're coming off of that. Um, need to they handle that one. to prepare. Yeah, that's uh, that's concerning a little bit. Maybe there's some rust. Who knows? We had a week for Pittsburgh too, I guess. So you know, hey, things happen. Um, uh, where do y'all see this? I mean, Kim Palm's thinking this is going to be a seven-point Duke win, and I'll just I'll, I'll hold off on mine. Roll, I'll go to you first. Agree or disagree with that? I don't need to know who's playing to be honest with you. Yeah, that's um, a fair question. Yeah, I mean, if if Roach is out there, I feel good about it, especially Roach and Mitchell. Um. If not, I think, you know, again, it's not an excuse, but it's just like, I feel like even though Roach is not a vocal leader, we just seem to be so much more composed when he's on the floor. Oh, sure, and yeah. he's the guy that can just get us a bucket at any given moment. And he really puts pressure on the rim too. Um, yeah. So I feel like when he's out, what happens is we just run that flip uh, left block post up over and over and over. 
and Flip gets triple teamed and bad decisions ensue. So um, I'm not all that optimistic about him playing, though, um, but I'm hopeful that we could at least like squeak out a close one. But I don't see us covering that seven points if he's not playing. Okay, I think that's fair. What about you, Russ? How are you feeling about yeah, it? I mean, they've been bad. Clemson's been bad, but I don't think we're going to sleep on Clemson as much. I would I would hope uh, Clemson gives up a lot of threes and they let teams shoot really well from out there. You know, and I think that's unsurprising given, you know, Joe Girard is on their team. And, you know, even though we can get cold, I mean, we're a top 25 three point percentage team in the country at nearly 38 percent as a team. It's even higher than that in ACC play. Uh, it's another Sean Stewart game, you know, because Hall, Wiggins, even Shefflin, right? Those guys can step outside and shoot. Shefflin worked us last year too. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Ryan, if Ryan Young is out there in ISO on the perimeter, it's a loss, probably. You know, mm. like we can't let that happen. Um, I think seeing more like two guards, Mitchell, Stewart, flip type lineups wouldn't surprise me. Clemson's also big. Uh, which again, we've struggled with a little bit when we're not playing some of our larger guys. Um, I think Duke also needs to run. This is where Roach, his absence is going to be missed, I think. Uh, just in terms of composure, Clemson really wants to grind the game down, win in half court, just let their bigness be their defense because they're an even worse defense than Duke. Um, their games that go 74 possessions or more, they lose. And like when we get slowed down, it's usually not good either. It's <laughs> that's generally where our offense slows down too. We've both with the pit blowout and then, you know, the uh, let's just get through this games that we've played the last few. We've steered away from playing faster. I think if we play fast, we'll win by more than seven. Uh, in, frankly, even if Roach is not out there. I think if we play fast and we don't let Ryan Young guard on an island on the perimeter, that Duke should win by more than seven. And if Roach plays, I feel good about it too. Um, the Clemson game is one that you have to win at home. You have to win that yeah. game. No excuse. And because we lost the last game at Cameron, I just can't see Duke losing back-to-back -back games at Cameron like this. If, if so, then there's a very dark and uh, bad conversation coming probably yeah, yeah yeah um the the hall flip matchup is going to be really interesting um can't have flip get those quick those quick fouls early right and pj's historically i feel like he's played pretty well against duke um i'm a big fan of him gerard is a guy where he's got a lot of fam familiarity with duke not so much with the current version as much um i don't again, feel like they're, he has positive familiarity right that's true I, that's true i agree not I, positive I, but look he can because we've been letting teams shoot from three yeah. like willy-nilly he could certainly go off i'm not trying to like but i don't think he's a net positive player like no. I, I, just, I don't. And he can get baited into like being like a five for 15 volume just chucker yeah. a little bit too um can target him a little bit on defense two, i mean if proctor mccain are the two guards out there against him then like proctor mccain can cook whoever he's on like repeatedly right. over yeah. and over yeah yeah um yeah i mean they are old they start what three seniors and a junior um so th there's some you know stuff to be said about that maybe but again they won't, I think, they won't take the game for granted they will right. come out and they will fight and they will play with high energy and high efforts it's what they do yeah and Duke has not consistently done that this season. If we play with energy and effort, we win. If we yeah. don't, we lose. Very yeah. simple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, and again, uh, 
I'd like for Roach to be there, but I kind of have the feeling that we're going to, I think we're going to win by double digits personally. Um, maybe that's just wishful thinking on my end a little bit, because if you don't, if you drop this game with at Virginia Tech at North Carolina coming up, I mean, the wheels can fall off very quickly. Um, you, you, yeah. Obviously, you'd love to go three and oh there, but you got to go two, two out of three. You got to win two out of those three. You, you can't lose this game. I mean, if yeah. again, if you lose this game, it the the season starts to become six seven seed in a big hurry, like in a, in a really big hurry. I, I don't think we're in any jeopardy of missing the tournament. Um, I mean, knock on wood, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just becomes like a one and done type year, which, given last season and how good we were last season, is uh, an indictment upon the staff. If that ends up being what happens, uh, you know, I, I don't want that to be what happens. I think we should be fine. But even with the injuries, there's no we didn't have we weren't injured for Arkansas, you know, like. Yeah. And Arkansas is so bad at the time. It didn't feel that bad. But now it's just like, oh, my gosh, dude, they are. We weren't injured for that terrible. Notre Dame <sighs> game, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. I, I just. We have to see a turnaround. We have to see a, a switch that is flipped. And if we don't, then again, I think going into next season, there will be a lot of pressure on this staff to show like, hey, this this isn't the K era. This isn't the, the era when you could coach for five or six years uh, and not really do anything. The fans won't stand for it. <laughs> like yeah. the, the, the alumni won't stand for it. Yeah, you know, they're already calling for it at different times, right? After every I, loss, he's in ever said da 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 da. da. So it's, I love John. Ch I went to school when John Shire was there. John Sh John Shire is a very nice guy. If his name was John Smith, <laughs> <laughs> and and he ended up and a coach with named John Smith ended up with a seven seed with this roster, there would be some very very tough conversations, and it makes it harder right. when he's a guy that everybody loves and everybody wants to do really well, and he's a young coach, so he needs time. The question is, will he get that time and will he get enough results that he can earn that time? You know, sure. uh, and that remains to be seen. Last year was a phenomenal start, I think, but we got to build on it. Yeah, especially when you return that much. I think that goes without saying that um, needed to see a, a little bit more there. But again, you know, to got to get healthy, right? Like his record when Duke's fully healthy is really freaking good. Again, it's teams don't stay fully healthy. They never do. Uh, Unless you're UNC, and then somehow that just becomes your calling card, I guess. But um, we're wow. going to talk about UNC. I don't even want to dig that up. We can kind of save that They're for good. another discussion. They're good. Yeah. They're really good. They're good. Yeah. Um, Got to watch out for that one. So, you know, hopefully things will, will start to trend. I mean, you know, we did win 9 out of 10, I guess, if we want to kind of pan out a little bit. But I think now it's time to... You know, there's no more Hofstra and Queens on the schedule, really. Right. You know, you got to kind of lock in. Um, there's a ton of season left, though, too, right? Like, we still have 15, or what is it, five and seven? So there's still 13 of these left. So um, there's 13 left, but there's maybe five games against tournament teams. If that, well, two games are against the same opponent. So, yeah, right. I mean, two against, two against Carolina, two against Wake. I think Wake is probably in, and then I they think they should be in. Yeah. I think Clemson will still get in. Yeah. Because they beat they Alabama, should. they beat TCU. They have a really good out-of-conference record where they'd yeah. have to totally 
plummet the rest yeah. of the season. Beating Alabama at Alabama was huge for them. For their, yeah. you know, they're allowed to, a little bit of a skid here now, I guess. But uh, well, Ross, we appreciate you coming on. We we dragged you out here too late, too long. Um, before we get out of here, I know we kind of did it on the front end, but plug what you got going on, where the people can find you. Give us the rundown. Yeah, I'm on the West Coast. I'm not nearly as tired that's as you That's true. Guys. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> uh, the Crazy Cast, C-R-A-Z-I-E Cast on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, please give me a follow on Twitter, at Duke Better. Uh, please follow me on like Instagram. I mean, I'm Duke Better there too, but I'm also Russell H. Film Places. I'm a screenwriter. Uh, so, you know, if you nice. just want to follow me and see what I'm up to, uh, then you can follow me pretty much everywhere at Russell H. Film as well. Okay, very nice. And now I will say too, I'm I'm very new to the the Twitter X uh, metaverse over there, but you have been one of the better followers that I have over there. Constantly good content, use of analytics, which is something that I really like. Um, one of our favorite guests we've had on is Geisinger. So anytime we can get into the weeds a little bit and crunch some numbers, um, it, it's fun stuff there. So we appreciate you coming right. on. Now we have the trifecta. Um, we can say we've had the crazy cast on TDD. So there's a little bit of love to be shared right. there, but. Uh, Again, we appreciate everyone. Rate, review, subscribe. You can find us in all the usual. And for some of y'all folks, the unusual places, you can email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. You can find us on the board at thedevilsden.com. You can find us on Twitter slash X at devilsdenpod247. And as always, we want you to have a face like Sean going after a block and the verve like Proctor after an ovation. Go Duke.